We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We've got half a Scott here, and we've got Logan. Ilya's also out. He, he's got a neck problem. Rough week for the Bronx Pinstripe Show crew. Not, not, the best, uh, not the best shape of my life. Not the best shape of my life. I'll tell you that it's it's been uh, it's been a little brutal. Yeah, playing hurt. Got got nailed with a stomach bug uh, last night. So um, we're gonna try to get through this without uh, without my guts getting all over the place. It'll be nice. It'll be great. Last week we were joking about how neither of us have ever been a hundred percent. Right now you might be five percent. <laughs> but I was as as thinking, it's like how many episodes of the seven hundred and some odd episodes do you think we've we've played hurt? I feel like a, a good amount of them for one reason or the other. Yeah. I mean, we've never missed a week. So, I mean, granted, some of each of us have missed a week, but the show has never missed a week. For the most part, you know, if we're alive, if there is a if there is a heartbeat, um, we will get on and and record the show. So, the show must go on, man. This is a commitment. This is we're you know OG podcasting here. You don't stop. You don't stop just because you're throwing up for hours. Doesn't mean you don't come over and talk on a microphone about the New York Yankees. That doesn't stop you. You got a trash bucket next to you? No. It's just gonna, I'm living on the edge, <laughs> living just dangerously. Sure, just make sure to mute if, if you got to do something. Just, just <laughs> no, spare, I'm not going to mute. Listeners. I'm definitely not going to mute either. It's going to it's gonna be the full experience. People are here for the ride. So we've got position battle updates that we're going to go through. But I was also thinking, so we're March 7th today, and, and I know the WBC is, is coming up. So we're at the point, we're not quite at the point in spring training where we call it, we joke about like the dog days of March. But do you remember back in the pandemic season when the owners and the players were dragging on their arguments about when to return for weeks and weeks and weeks? And basically, the Players Association, I think, was arguing like, we really only need three weeks of spring training realistically to get ready, and then we'll be good to go for games. And I know that wasn't exactly apples to apples because they already had half a spring training that year, and then guys were continuing to keep their arm strength and at-bats and timing and everything um, throughout the pandemic as best they could. Remember that video of like Boone going over to Cole's house to play catch or, or something like that in Connecticut? But we're approaching the point in spring training where guys are like, I, I don't need this anymore. Like, I, I'm enough enough with the reps. Like, just get me to the you think we're You think we're already at that point? I Almost. don't think we're at that point I think yet. next week. I think this is like the last week where guys are actually still building up strength. Because like even... We're going to talk about Carlos Rodon's first start. He just made his first start of the season and then basically was told, scale it back, dude. Like, don't don't try and throw that hard. Just just go through the motions. Get get the amount of pitches that we wanted you to throw in and then go put some ice on your shoulder and we'll we'll take it from here. 
Yeah, you don't need like Billy Badass going out there. I understand it's your first time in in, uh, in the Yankee uniform, and you want to impress uh, for the fans, for for all of the above, for yourself. You just signed a new contract, um, but a lot of times it doesn't work out that way, especially in, in, if you press too much. I just hope this is not a sign of a guy that's pressing because Dude, of the it's pressure the first of start of spring training i know but there's mental things you can pull from this there, i'm not i'm not looking at, at, at anything at all i'm really not i'm grasping for straws here i'm just saying i hope it's not a sign to come for mental stability that's all that's all i'm saying because if, if, he, if we're stretching and trying to throw 96 97 miles an hour when you know damn well that your body is telling you that you're you're at 92 93 and you're and you're still as a veteran trying to push for that that tells me you're you're trying too hard and tells me that you kind of don't get it. You should get it by now, whether it's your first start or not. I'm a little surprised at you, to be honest. Why? You The roles are reversed here. Usually I'm the one who's going to overreact to a first spring. I'm not overreacting. I'm just... Agent. No, you're, just you're, questioning, you're questioning Carlos Rodon's mental capacity to handle being a New York Yankee. And it's <laughs> March 7th and he's pitched two plus innings. I just hope it's not a sign <laughs> that's a, that's a, for that's what's a to new, come. That's, that's all. That's a new low for you, Scott. <laughs> it's, it's, I, uh, I haven't even gone there yet. I'm going to at least wait for a few regular season starts before I start questioning Carlos Rodon's ability to handle the being a New York Yankee. You're doing it after half effort in a spring training start. His dad had to tell him to stop doing something that, that he shouldn't be doing. That, that's what happened. Dad's like, what are you doing? Why, why are you throwing so hard? You know you're not supposed to be throwing this hard right now. Why are you doing that? So something was telling his mind to, to, to try to throw harder. And it's because he wanted to be a tough guy and go out there and, uh, and, and impress, which is fine. Great. Just I hope it's not something uh, that, that we, we look back on and be like, oh, man, this guy, you know, doesn't <laughs> the, the things up, up, up top, telling him to do one thing and then he does another thing, even though he should know. Not well, to do that thing at this point in his career. Radon's in an interesting position because the, he's still, even though he's a, a massive free agent signing, he's not the number one guy. So the pressure on him <clears> is still <throat> a little bit reduced. It's still, I think it's high. Look, I think everybody on this team has, has pressure. And when you come over as a free agent, uh, there's pressure to, to be a top guy and there's pressure to win the World Series. So I, I don't know. And I know he's not the number one. Garrett Cole's the number one, and but that doesn't, I don't think, uh, affect how he feels internally. He, he's got a he's got a press, and I'm just fucking around here. I, I I take nothing from this. I take nothing from this. At the same time, you know, I want the guy to go At out the there. Same time, and, I take everything from it. <laughs> At the same time, I hope he's not <laughs> mentally weak. But I I want him to do the. I, I don't want him to get hurt. Okay, well, of that's course. the biggest no thing. One wants when him you're to get when hurt. you're pressing. When you're pressing and you're and you're trying to do things that you shouldn't be doing physically at this point in the spring, that's that's recipe for an injury. And that's where I'm like, as a veteran pitcher, a guy that's come over and and was uh, you know the, the Yankees paid a lot of money for. You should know these things. You should know these things and and just do what you need to do. Let the let the the course of time take place so that you're ready for the first start of the season. That's all. Yeah, uh, Rodon's obviously going to have a spotlight on him because of the free agent contract, but. But he will fly under the radar more so than someone who signs that large hundred and what was the final total contract? I can't even remember. You know, whatever it was, $27 million a year. You sign someone for that amount of money, you've got media asking you a dozen questions. It's, it's, it's you have one bad start and 162 million. You have one bad start and it's world is falling. Well, I still think a little bit of that is true. If Garrett Cole is struggling to start the season, that's where the the spotlight will be. Not so on, now the, not the on pressure's Carlos on Rodon. him if if the other well, guy doesn't we know, do well. We know that Garrett Cole thinks pressure is a privilege, but we also know he that does. pressure has sometimes been a problem for him specifically. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, after he made that the the comments that pressure is a privilege, it may be a privilege, but doesn't mean you can handle it doesn't mean that you can you can uh you can be there for that moment but yes it is it's a privilege you're in that position you're uh you're trusted to be in that position so i i think radon will be just fine again veteran guy knows how to do things let's just be a little smarter he's just working on his arm strength that's all the first start was just working on building up his arm strength he's he's taking it slow i i wouldn't read too much into it 
All right, we've got a few different position battles that everyone's keeping an eye on. The, the number one is obviously shortstop. Volpe has been tearing it up, and he's. we were mm-hmm. looking this up before the pod. He has the most at-bats of anyone so far in spring training on the team. And you can read into that one of two ways. The optimistic way, which is he's proving himself, the coaches love him, the team loves him, he's going to get the job. The cynical way is they're already planning on cutting him at some point coming up, so they want to get him all the at-bats they possibly can now. Well, I mean, the other thing you have to look at is that he hasn't been playing shortstop every single time either. So no. he's been he's been going uh, around the diamond and, and playing different positions, which will give you more at-bats too. So um, he's been playing deeper into games too. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how much you read into that as far as the amount of at-bats, but what I do read into is that this guy has been impressive both on the uh at the at the plate he handles the bat really well uh and and in the field he's good he's he's i didn't expect him to be as nimble as as he is but he's he's good that that uh that play yesterday when uh rizzo threw down to second base uh with um you know runner on first great tag by Vol- great positioning great tag fast hands like all of the above like that's a tough play and and he was uh perfectly in position made a great tag um, he's been good. He made a, he made another nice play on a, on a slow, on a slow, uh, uh, slow roller at, at shortstop. Like the kids got skills. So it, it's going to be tough to hold him back. That's, that, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is that when, when someone like him, who is your number one prospect is showing the way he is showing, I don't know how you justify not, not playing him. I really don't. I, well, I don't know how you justify their it. hand, which is exactly what we wanted him to do. Good. If he was having an average spring training and then, then there's, Easy justification for getting him more time in the minors, but he's hit, hitting 353 with an OPS a little bit over a thousand. He's got 17 at bats, right? So if he continues playing hot throughout spring training, and he's hitting 350 or 330, and it's the end of March, and the Yankees announced that he's going to start the season in AAA, there's going to be a lot of anger, for sure. Well, and it also depends. I think if Peraza's the opening day guy and over Volpe, then it won't be as much. But if you see IKF strolling out there i know one person on this show will be mad and and, and many of the uh many of the the fan base will be mad if they roll ikf as a starting the optics of that are so not you're good. not saying that ikf because ikf's not quote winning the shortstop job as in he's the he's the everyday starting shortstop i don't think that's a possibility but what you're saying is opening day who's actually getting the start kind of like when gary sanchez got the opening day start just purely for optics a couple years ago that the optics will be negative if even if IKF starts opening day, even though he doesn't really win the job, it's just he's happening to start the first game of the season. I don't know. I think them they're, them rolling out. If, if there's a young guy up, if Peraza is up, he's gonna he's gonna be playing. If Volpe's up, he's gonna be playing. If if neither of them are up or one uh, and IKF is is out there, I mean that that. Seemingly, yeah, he's he's going to be the guy early in the season. I don't think it's going to be just a a one time uh, one time thing. Catcher's different because of, of who you're, who's pitching, and and you know the weirdness that they had with uh, with matching guys up um, from on the mound and behind the plate. But my point is, is that IKF, if he's the guy that they're rolling out there at shortstop, and and you still have torrid spring trainings from uh, from Volpe and Peraza's out there as well, it's going to be it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. IKF is 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 a is a is a is a platoon guy, and and yeah, that's where he should be. He's a he's a utility player. He will play shortstop at some point this season. He'll probably play shortstop in the first week of the season, but he's not going to win the starting shortstop job, even though he might play shortstop on the second or third or fourth game of the season. But the optics of him starting on opening day, I think, would be negative, even if it's. Just because that's the day they're playing him there, and then he's not going to play there again until the second week of the season. Do you do you get what I'm saying, or am I or am I not? I understand sense? what you're saying, but I just don't. I don't know how that plays out. I, that, that's my point. Is like you're not going to if you're going to have one of the young guys up, you're going to play them on opening day specifically. You're saying, and and they're going to get the nod. They're going to get the nod. IKF, yes, but you we'll, agree. We'll IKF in. will play shortstop for sure. He, he's going to be a platoon guy. I mean, he's going to be he he if he's that guy, unless they give him the starting spot, which I think is still possible. That. That yes, he will he will float around a little bit, but primarily being a backup shortstop. Yeah. So Cabrera has also been 
tearing it up. He's hitting 294 with a 980 OPS. He has seven RBIs and 17 at bats. I know RBIs don't matter unless you've got a lot of them, then they do matter. But then I don't do matter. <laughs> unless you're productive, then they matter. <laughs> I don't see. I mean, Oswaldo Cabrera, though, I think is he's again a utility player in the infield and hopefully starting in an outfield spot over Aaron Hicks. That's what we're looking for. That is what we're looking for. And that's the other reason. Like he's got 17 at bats, Volpe's got 17 at bats, and you can just tell. These guys have been been rotated around the uh, the diamond quite a bit to see where they can play defensively and see, um, you know, how much they can trust them in different spots. Uh, for Volpe, maybe they're 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 identifying, um, you know, he's he's been at second base a good amount, so that's interesting to me just to to see him in a middle shortstop spot or I'm sorry, a middle infield spot uh, both times. But they're seeing how much versatility these guys have. And Cabrera, I, I said this the other day, it's like he's just got such easy power. He, that, that, that home run he hit the other day was just, I mean, just effortless, absolutely effortless. And he's just going to get better. He's just going to get better. He's a great athlete. Um, he's got a really good, you know, head on his shoulders. He, he doesn't seem like moments are too big. He came up, we were all very impressed with him, uh, when he came up last year, uh, and he started to slide a little bit offensively, but he's going to grow. And I would, I would, I would take all day long watching him develop as a left fielder throughout the regular season to take advantage of that bat and just youthful exuberance to have on this team over a guy like Aaron Hicks all day oh, long. You didn't Although like, Aaron Hicks is hitting. You didn't like Aaron Hicks' play in left field to start the game last night? Overrunning a fly no. ball down the left field line and having a drop? It reminded me very much of the the play he botched on Derek Jeter night. Yeah, he's just, I don't know, man. He's just not it. He, he doesn't do it for me. Uh, and when I got a guy like... <laughs> But I got a guy like Cabrera who's playing his ass off, uh, has way more upside at the plate, and can frankly just cover more ground at this point. Like he's gonna make some, he's gonna make some some bonehead plays in the field. It's gonna happen. But he needs to do that to develop. He needs to do that in the regular season to develop. He needs to get better. He needs to learn from his mistakes. He ain't gonna be doing that if you're not gonna be playing him. And there's just no upside. So it it's such a it's such That's an easy key, decision though, no, for that, me. You just touched on the key. There's no upside to Aaron Hicks. None. There's upside to Oswaldo Cabrera. So worst 100%. case scenario, Oswaldo Cabrera sucks, and then you just go to Aaron Hicks because he's also sucking, but he's he's a veteran, right? Like so. There's, but we know what Aaron Hicks, his ceiling is going to be. Maybe Oswaldo Cabrera has a high ceiling or or a decent ceiling, which is higher than Aaron Hicks. So why not give it a shot? Um, he's, he's a fourth outfielder. He's a fourth potentially fifth outfielder, and he can play all outfield positions. So. He he's not a starting player. He's not. He doesn't have the 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 years on his side either to to be to be, you know, waiting for him to develop. He's not that guy anymore. So he is a backup outfielder, and and he should be treated as such. Oswaldo Cabrera, give him the job. Yeah, and he deserves it. Logan just threw in the chat. Also zero upside to IKF. It's the same situation. You know what? You're 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 giving a little grin, Scott. You think there's upside to IKF? Look, I like IKF as a player. I do. I no, like IKF you, as a player. He's a toolsy guy. You just want to win the guy. You just are stuck in your take. No, I'm not. I'm not stuck in my take. Yes, you I are. think he he makes a lot of contact. He's a good utility guy. How after no. watching IKF play last year in the second half of the season and in the postseason, how can you say that there's upside to him? The upside is is that he's versatile and can play in different places. That's, That's not the, upside. the upside for a particular slot on a roster. Remember how Util- I would always, oh, he's got utility player upside? Fine. Yes, that's exactly it. I think IKF can be a good utility player. Yes, because that's what I mean. Because he can play three different infield spots, and maybe he could even play left field in, in a pitch. We might need him do. catching soon, to be honest. Because be they're dropping like in. flies. So fine. I have, I actually like IKF as the utility player. Okay, so this is my point. And I don't. I don't know why some people don't understand what I say. I say it very clearly. I don't get it here. Okay, this is going but back to the exact upside. same thing I would say about Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade was my favorite guy as the last guy on the bench. Great. He's the best guy for the last guy on the bench. Everybody has a role. Every roster has role players. He was that role player. He was the guy. I don't want him starting. I don't want him starting. Tyler I, Wade was, was perhaps a guy, the worst utility infielder of all time. Not even a utility infielder. Last guy on the bench. Last guy on the bench to he go out sucked. there and give me a Dave Roberts stolen base. He was so bad. 
because you'd put him in the field and you'd be like, oh, look at all the range, look at all the tools. And then he'd make a boneheaded play in the field. And then he'd get up at bat and swing for the fences thinking he's like freaking Mickey Mantle up there. No, dude, you're Tyler Wade. You suck. Just try and put the bat on the ball Albert and get Pujols. on base. Not Mickey Mantle, Albert Pujols. Oh, right. Albert is, Pujols. Uh, his, his he's swing the machine. instructor. Right. Yeah. He, he worked <laughs> out with the machine one day. And so he thinks he's going to be a Hall of Famer like, yeah. like Albert Pujols. But I, so IKF's upside is not at the starting shortstop position. His upside is to help the team as a utility infielder. That's where his upside is. That's how he can help the team the most. That's where he could, that's where his value is the highest and therefore upside at, at, at that sure. position. Because when you're looking at the other people that can do that, I think Cabrera could also do that. But I would prefer him to be the starting left fielder. And, and when you put him in the outfield, now you're looking at uh, IKF as, as a utility guy who can play all over the infield. And be and be a last resort catcher, which is like kind of a joke, but not also not a joke. Boone was asked a question. I only read this quote. I didn't hear the quote, so I don't know the tone in his voice. But he was asked if Volpe could make the team without injury to someone else. And Boone said, sure, yeah. I don't know if that was a sure, yeah. Or it was like, sure, yeah. I don't know which one's different. The uh you have well, to one say of yes like, because sure, yeah, it's never going to happen. Or sure, yeah, he could do it. Well, he can do it, and he's proving that he can do it. So that's that's kind of the point here. Is is a matter of if they're willing to <clears throat> to do it. it look, I, I believe this is all about um, control. That's it. Like if he comes out control and he's, of and he's lighting time, it, player service, time? yeah, hundred percent, yeah, yeah, and and he's lighting there, it up. It, so if IKF is, is the guy for the first month, you know, month and month and a half. To 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 uh to manipulate the service time a little bit. I thought we were past that in baseball, but no, know. we're not past that. Um, yeah, I agree with you that they're gonna do like they did with Glaver Torres, call him up in May to to get the extra. He'll be a super super two player, I think is what they call it. But that still gets you four years of arbitration rather than three years. You get paid sooner, but it's still team control. Um, so yeah, that, that's exactly yeah. And they're the New York Yankees. If they have a good player who's homegrown like this, they should pay that guy anyway, and they should buy him out of those arbitration years and extend oh, him. Interesting. Look at exactly what the Atlanta Braves have done for a guy like that. That's what should happen. So no, so yes, they're going to wait until opening day. Tw- what would that be? Twenty twenty nine. Opening day twenty twenty nine. And I don't know. Maybe Brian Cashman will still be the GM, and he's going to say we offered Anthony Volpe X millions of dollars, and he turned us down. And Anthony Volpe is going to say, I'm not negotiating during the season. And then, and then, and then he's going to be on the Giants for three hours. Uh-huh. And then Cashman, uh, Steinbrenner is going to give him a call. No, nah, it's going to be hey. the Mets. It's going to be the Mets because he, he's a Jersey guy, right? Isn't Volpe uh, a Jersey guy? Yeah, he is. So it'll be like the Mets or the Phillies. Like, I don't know, maybe, did he grow up a Yankees fan? Did, is that what they said? Yeah, but, of course he did. Yeah, but like, what part of Jersey? Haven't you seen from? the? Haven't you seen the? Uh, there's there's the picture of him getting an autograph signed somewhere. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Him and Jeter. Yeah. Is he from Tom's River? No, he's no, from he's... North Jersey. I'm pretty sure he went to. Um, I think it's Pasquac Valley or or St. Joe's. I think he went to St. Joe's. Okay. So yeah, he went North to Jersey. Del Del Barton. Del Barton. Okay, it's like Central Jersey. It's a big mm-hmm. lacrosse. Morristown, New Jersey. Actually. Morristown. Yeah. Thirtieth yeah. overall pick. He was going to go to Vanderbilt, but then committed to Vanderbilt, but then didn't. He was going to go with the lighter kid. Yeah, so that's that, that. That's what we'll get with Anthony Volpe. So I'm I'm excited though. He, he's going to get time in the minors. I know he's going to get time in the minors. I'm I'm just that's my stance on it. So I can be pleasantly surprised. We're approaching the new baseball season, and we want you to kick off the new baseball season with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. I've got a brand spanking new pair of Shady Rays right here. I'm showing them on on the YouTube video right now. I got like the 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 mahogany style tortoise uh, fr- tortoise frames. And I is it tortoise like, or is it like the wood wood green? It's like the it's like the wood green. They're yeah, okay. they're really nice. Uh, yeah. I would put them on right now, but then I wouldn't be able to read the copy because I would take my actual prescription glasses off and I'm right. legally blind. So I'm gonna wait until I have my contacts on. To to yeah. put these bad boys on, but I but I absolutely love them. They fit my face great, which is not always the case when I when I get new sunglasses. Maybe fat face. To, no, it's just I don't Round know. Round face. Just, yeah, I got a little bit of a wide face. 
Maybe you're going to spring training or you're waiting until the weather heats up in the Bronx to see a game. Either way, you're going to need sunglasses because it's going to be sunny out. So you should kick, uh, kick off the season with a kick-ass pair of Shady Rays. They are an independent sunglasses company that offer world-class products, and it's just as good as any pair you can find that costs you a lot of money. The frames are durable, and the lenses are extremely clear, perfect for outdoor activities. You've probably broken a pair of sunglasses in your day, right, Scott? Oh, uh, broken them, lost them, scratched them, you name it. I got a new pair of sunglasses. This was way back in high school. I was on a, uh, I got a, like a new pair of sunglasses, a relatively new pair, like within the month. It was in the summer. I was invited on my friend's boat and it was windy and I had a hat on. And so when the wind was blowing my hat, when I went to catch my hat, I knocked my sunglasses off my face and they fell in the ocean. So that was like one of the first times I lost a brand new pair of sunglasses. If that happens with Shady Rays, they've got you covered because they will give you a new pair no questions asked, which is wow. just amazing. That is. Yeah. And so you don't have to worry about if if you lose them or break them. Shady Rays has you covered. Also, they have uh, an exchange program free within 30 days of purchase. If you get them and you don't like them or if they don't fit your your fat face, like like, <laughs> like my problem, which if you're buying sunglasses online could be an issue. So you, you if you're not able to try them on until you get them home, you know, you've got 30 days to to exchange them. Shady Rays is giving our listeners their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code BRONX for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Go check them out. You are absolutely going to love them. And thank you to Shady Rays for sponsoring today's episode. I will say real quick, they're polarized uh, black tinted glasses. Those lenses are absolutely crystal clear. I have, I have a pair of, of uh, other sunglasses that I've had for years. Doesn't compare. And, and very good when you go into shade and then sun. That's the problem I have with polarized. Those handle it very well. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. <clears throat> All right, the next battle I want to talk about is for the number five starting pitcher, Clark Schmidt, Domingo Herman. Herman made his uh, spring debut uh, a couple a uh, couple days ago, two and a third inning, one hit, one run, and then he pitched last night. That was the game that Aaron Hicks botched the the first play of the game. He pitched three innings, one hit, no runs four strikeouts on 43 pitches. His fastball has averaged 93.4 miles an hour, which is up from last year, 92.7. So he's got a little bit more zip on his fastball. And then Clark Schmidt, we had already talked about his spring debut was really, really good featuring the cutter. And then he pitched out of the bullpen on March 3rd, an inning in two thirds, three hits, four earned runs. So his second outing was out of the bullpen uh, for this number five starting job. So what do you think? I mean, this is when, when we're talking about this. It's going to be Domingo we, Herman. <laughs> see, this is this is. <laughs> I have this is what the Yankees do, and they drive me insane with this. Goes back to the upside conversation, okay? Back to the upside conversation. Who has the upside here? Clark Schmidt has the upside. It's not uh, an argument. It's not an argument. It's not an argument. It's Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt is the guy. Clark Schmidt has the most, the highest ceiling of the two of them. Why? not develop your players and give them the opportunity to become, you know, what they, what they can be. We know what Domingo Herman is. We said this in the last episode, we know exactly what he is. We also know what he's capable in a flexible uh, rotation and swing guy spot. He, he's that guy. He's like the utility guy, like IKF is his, his, his value, his upside is in the flexibility that he gives Boone and this team to be a guy that can come in after a pre-inning blow-up coal, coal start and uh, potentially fill in for a, a spot start if a guy went down or a guy has you know fatigue or, or is ill on a given day. He's that guy. Give Clark Schmidt some structure, allow him to go every five days and pitch in that number five spot. And let's see what he can be. Because that's exactly what the, if the Yankees can find a guy that can succeed in that number five spot with consistency, that has some upside with a new cutter, why the hell would we not do that? Especially if all things are equal, which they kind of are right now pitching. And in fact, when I'm watching the two of them pitch, my eyes are still telling me that Clark Schmidt's the better pitcher. Yeah, I agree. Clark Schmidt has the the higher ceiling. I don't think it's by a lot. It's hard to say because we've never seen Clark Schmidt have the chance and we've seen Domingo Herman have the chance. It might not be by that much that Schmidt has the higher ceiling. But I could also make the argument, maybe they're looking at it from this way, 
who's got the higher floor? Because that might be Domingo Herman. For the number five spot, like that's a decent argument. If you're looking at someone who has a who has a higher floor, consistency there. You just want five innings, three runs. Sometimes he's going to go six innings, three runs. Yeah, sometimes he'll have a but. But you pretty much know what you're getting when Domingo Herman takes the mound, and maybe you just want consistency in the number five. You just want innings. But frankly, like I want that guy also. That that's the type of guy that I want in in the in a swing position, so that he can he can give that consistency, can 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 slow things down can keep a team in the game, can pitch more than every five days. That's what I want from that guy. I, I, Clark Schmidt, I, you're saying who has the higher floor. We haven't seen enough of Clark Schmidt to tell me, for, for me to to say that. Which is crazy. Um, that Herman he's, it feels like he's been the on the floor. team for four seasons and we still haven't seen enough of Clark Schmidt to, to right. evaluate. And if he's healthy and, and ready to go and seemingly you know has a better, uh, has a better repertoire of pitches, Give him, give him the nod. Domingo Herman has been in the bullpen before. It, you know, many times he's played this role. This is a role that he knows. Why not? Why not? He could still start. He can still start with needed. If Clark Schmidt, if you give him two months, a month, month and a half, two months, and he's not doing and he's struggling, you can still go to Herman. That that will always be there. If you throw, if you throw Clark Schmidt in the bullpen and he's not completely stretched out, I feel like you're 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 messing. This this feels like Ian Kennedy. This feels like uh, Jabba Chamberlain. Ooh, Phil Jabba Hughes. Rules? Like, Jabba rules? Make a goddamn decision with the guy and give him an opportunity to settle into that role. And for him, to me, it's it's a starting rotation spot. He's got the pitches to be a starting pitcher. And, yeah. and I think a good one in this league. I think he could be a good one in this league. I want it to be Clark Schmidt just to so we know. Just I want to know. I want to know what he can do. He might stink. He might be great. He might be average. Those are the options. Those are the three. He's a number five starter. If he's average, then you know wh- what is Domingo Herman? A, a four three seven, a, a guy that that will go in there and um, and give you five innings. A four, he's not oh, much more a than four that. three seven ERA. I was like, what's a four three seven? Is this yeah. that a new baseball term? He's he's just he's a mid four ERA guy. He's not nothing. You know, okay, cool. Clark Schmidt could be could be much better than that. He could be. A he's low got four. the ability to be much better. He than could that. be a four two two. He could he could be a four two two. He could be. He could be like he's got the ability to be uh, a a guy that that can go consistently six innings, two runs. That's that's the type of guy I think he could be. Is is a four two two low force? Yeah, and, anything and under four five is is middle. So four three seven is that low or middle? I'd still say it's middle. Okay, so where's the cutoff? Four four two, three. You got to be a two. Four, not four. Not four two nine. Four two nine. Okay, so yeah. four two nine. Is the cutoff? I'd still actually say that's middle. To be honest, <laughs> you got to be really low in the fours to be a low four. And so, there's no glory in that. Let's let's just get. There's no glory in in, in being a low four year high guy. So we're splitting hairs on 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 the mid fours and the low fours. Half the people don't even care about ERA. Some people do, but we're really splitting hairs when we're talking about mid four and low four. <laughs> Uh, left field battle Oswaldo Cabrera we already talked about Aaron Hicks we talked about Willie Calhoun Rafael Ortega and Jason Dominguez all vying for an outfield spot I put Jason Dominguez in this conversation for one reason and one reason only he is freaking mashing and I know he's not going to make the team we looked it up last week he's got like 17 triple A or not even triple A bats 17 double A bats he needs to get time in AAA. I know he needs to get time in AAA, but he's freaking raking. He needs to get more time in Double A. Yeah, I mean that's that's it. He's good, man. Like he's progressing. <clears throat> so there was a big question mark about about uh, Jason Dominguez, and that was how is he going to develop? How is he going to continue? Because you know, two years ago, we were seeing grainy footage out of uh, out he of the Dominican of this guy. Ago. <laughs> he was two years ago. He was ten years old, and and he was the the. A, 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 the size of a he was born during like a the world pandemic. renowned body bodybuilder. So, but but when I see this guy developing across, he is. Um, everybody has been talking about him uh, in, in such a good light in the way that he has advanced uh, with which with each stop and gotten better. And when I saw that that uh, that go ahead home run he hit in the ninth the other night, that was not an easy pitch. He went down and got that pitch. He was a you know as pressure of a situation as you can have in in uh in in spring training but he went out and got that pitch and had again some easy power he's good man he's got the tools and the fact that he's developing is so 
so awesome to see. Um, like he could be the guy that we Logan. that we all thought he would be, you know, and and getting getting to this. But he's on the fast track. I think he's definitely on a fast track. Yeah. So can you look up Juan Soto where he was ranked as the top 100 prospect when he was called up because he made the 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 jump from Double A. Um, and so I, not that again, prospect rankings have are the end all be all. Dominguez is 47th on MLB pipeline right now. So if we're talking about him making a double A to the majors jump at some point this season, 47th overall prospect might is fine, but like where was Juan Soto? So in the preseason rankings in going into 2018, which was his rookie year, he was 29th. Okay, so it's it's I've been going back to the to the the lows and highs of 29, like 29 is the cutoff. So I guess he was a a high uh, a, a more uh, higher ranked prospect, but that's not that. But not by much, not by much at all, especially when you consider all the teams. 29 to 47 is splitting hairs. It's splitting hairs. It could be a week. It It could be a week of rankings. And and that's the thing, um, right? We talk about double A. We talk about double A. Double A is is the litmus test. He needs to get more time in double A. But yeah, Logan put in here uh, that um, Michael Harris, Juan Soto all jump from double A to the majors. We saw our boy Greg Bird do the same thing. That that is very possible. You and I made this argument Greg last Bird was week. Was out of necessity though. Fine, you can get some left field might be a necessity. You can get. You, you could argue that better pitching. You will see better pitching in the majors yeah, coming from Double A than you would in Triple A. Yeah, it's a valid that, argument. That was, that was a that was a stupid argument. It's so not a stupid argument. In in twenty in twenty eighteen, um, Juan Soto started in Single A. Um, and had a 1,300 OPS in 16 games. They moved him to high A. In 15 games, he had a 1,250 OPS, and then he played eight games in double A before coming up to the majors. And remember, yeah, This guy made, belongs in the major leagues. Do you remember? He was 19. Yeah, Juan Soto had that weird thing where his debut wasn't really the date of his debut because he debuted oh, yeah. in the Yankees. Because it was a, a, a short the Nationals, And it was a, a makeup of a game on like, in May, but or something like that. It was some, some yeah. weird trivia question fifty years from now about Juan Soto's debut. Anyway, it's not impossible. It's uh likely if it happens this year, it's because left field is an absolute train wreck. And at some point in June, the Yankees bite the bullet and call up Jason Dominguez if he's having a really good double A stint. I mean, this is we we say this. <laughs> It's unprecedented for the New York Yankees. It doesn't happen. This oh, doesn't right. happen with a guy with a guy like him. So, to be very fair, do I believe it's going to happen? Probably no. I don't. I don't believe it's going to happen. Would it be awesome? Yes, it would be. It would be awesome. It would be absolutely awesome. I love watching young baseball players play at a high level. And if this guy breaks down the door and is forcing their hand, you got Volpe out there at shortstop. You got Jason Dominguez in left field. Let's fucking go. That would be. You pair them with the the veteran players that are all over this team. I'm getting very excited. That would be fun to watch. Even even getting if excited. they sh- <laughs> even if they struggle in the in the little bit, there's a tolerance level. But but my God, would that be fun to watch and exciting? Yeah, I, Volpe, I think will get called up this year because of he's he's ready. Dominguez would be out of necessity, and and I think that's that's the difference. And can, I feel like you could do that more with an outfielder than you can. An infielder. Well, an infielder, you, can hide, you can hide defense right. way easier in the outfield. Exactly. So if, if you see Clint Frazier. if you see the, the bat continuing to advance and and they they believe that that he can make I, again, like going back to the Gary Sanchez home run spurt that he hit the major leagues, that that's the a lot of the basis right. of my argument. You're getting better, you're getting more fastballs over the plate. You're getting more fastballs over the plate. Mm-hmm. I told you why he did that, right? Because he had more fastballs over the plate. Because he was, I mean, the ball went further, but he still hit it. It was a golf ball that he was hitting. He still hit it. So, some some bad news about Tommy Canley. He is shut down for ten days, uh, as of Friday, March third, with bicep tendonitis. Boone said it's not a big issue, and he should be ready to go for opening day. But this is concerning on a guy coming back. He's been on a road back from Tommy John surgery, and like he just got a limited time last year with the Dodgers before he got contract from the Yankees, but this Canley's an injury guy. There's no two ways about it. At this point, yeah, it's uh it's unfortunate. Hopefully it, it these usually don't end well when you have this this type of Canley's of comments. Discomfort. You see his comments? 
He was basically like, yeah. he was just basically like, yeah. They asked him. He said, well, you should be ready to go for opening day, right? He's like, I don't know. I'm just taking it slow right now. Yeah, Logan. He um he had this injury in 2018, uh, the same injury. And then if you remember, he tried to pitch through it, and he ended up in the minors, and he like disappeared for a year. So that's not. So they try I mean, and play he, it more, you know. Anytime you have an injury that is uh, that that has to do with your pitching arm, it, it's gonna affect one thing or another, you know. And and then your mechanics are off. Like we've seen this a hundred times. This is not this is not a unique song. I, I hope that some rest can make him feel. But he's got to. It's got to feel one hundred percent for him. You can't pitch in the major leagues with an arm that doesn't feel one hundred percent. You have to feel one hundred percent. And and that's the thing. Like, is he going to be able to get back to that point? I really hope so. I, I hope that, I hope that it's um, you know, it's much ado about nothing, and they're being very cautious. That's the uh, that's the hope. That's that's the upside for him. But yeah, it's 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 uh, you can't count on him. Well, it's interesting because the Yankees are probably feeling pretty confident in their in their bullpen depth because they could have gone out and signed some guys. Texas signed Will Smith for a million and a half bucks guaranteed. And then Colorado signed Brad Hand for also a million and a half guaranteed with a, with a buyout on a club option for next Brad year. Brad Hand is trash. Oh, Brad okay, Hand has been trash for a there's, while. There's just, there's, there were bullpen options available for cheap money if the Yankees were worried about their bullpen depth. I, well, I'm not I suggesting still go back they should to, have uh, signed them. Andrew, Andrew uh, Chapin, the, the Detroit that went to uh, Arizona. Arizona. Yep, that was a perfect, you know, Tommy, perfect situation. Perfect fit. And Tommy Canley, I know, was a guy that, you know, he's a righty, but you you he could throw um and match up well against lefties. That I think that was a missed opportunity with him. I really do. Mm-hmm. That that was a perfect fit and and he wasn't expensive. They should have gone out and got him. Yep. He was there. He was right right there. I agree. No, yeah, that we second guessed that immediately. Um we mentioned the catching depth. So Josh Bro out with an elbow injury, Austin Wells fractured rib out six to eight weeks. Ben Rortvet, just Benny biceps, too muscular. He's a uh, aneurysm of his posterior artery near his left shoulder. Not great. Yeah, that's that's tough. Like yeah, that, just like stop with the shoulder presses, bro. Yeah, I don't know how much an aneurysm has to do with lifting. I don't know if there's any correlation with that. Someone would some biomechanical biomedical someone would have to talk about that one a little bit more. Not my area of expertise, um, but that's a. Uh, that's a tough one. They've also got Higgy going to the WBC. I'm not necessarily worried about Higgy getting injured at the WBC because I don't think he's any more likely to get injured playing in the WBC than he is catching in Tampa. But yeah, the Yankees catching depth is thin. So doesn't this present a great opportunity and upside for Brian Cashman to go out there and do the, the uh, you know, a, a Trevino pickup? He's done it before. Just do it again. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. go, just go as, do that again. As long as Yankees fans stop talking about re-signing Gary Sanchez, I'm cool. Yeah, that would that would uh that's not I, happening. I'm gonna it, <laughs> that's not, mark that, my words. That's not happening. That's mark not my funny. words. I will cease being a Yankees fan if they re-sign Gary Sanchez. It's not happening. He was begging for it with the with the workout gear, you know, a little sad and pathetic, but it's not happening. It's I just would happening. love to see everybody's heads explode. Like you guys like the podcast would be amazing if they re-signed him. That is true. It'd and be good Yankees for Twitter, it would be amazing. I would, I would have fun with it for about a week and a half. I, until I see the first pass ball, I'm going to blow my 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 mind is going to be just in a, in a very bad spot. So you know, yeah, um, it's it's not even funny. It's not funny. It really isn't. So I'm going to I'm leaving for Vegas this afternoon. Uh, going to podcast movement for a couple of days, and you know what yeah. I am making sure to pack, Scott is those Athletic Greens travel pouches. Because yep. you know, if you're in Vegas, it's going to be late nights. You're not going to be running on a lot of sleep. Even though I'm not going there to party, it's 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 the desert, man. Hydration. You need hydration. Overhydrate. That's the biggest thing. So every morning, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to dump one of those packets into a cup, fill it up with some water, stir it up, and I am going to have my daily supplement packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens that help me start my day right. It's going to give me mental clarity and alertness, promotes gut health with pre and probiotics, better sleep quality and recovery. Recovery is the key one I'm looking for there. Boosting energy. Overall, I'm going to feel great. AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial flavoring. It's affordable. Each serving costs less than $3. So if you're going out there buying energy drinks or expensive coffee at coffee shops, 
it's cheaper than that. And it's not necessarily a replacement for for those things, but it can fit into your daily routine. If you're like us, it's super easy. You dump it in, you shake it, you pour it, you drink it up. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is trusted by athletes and health experts around the world. Go check them out, athleticgreens.com slash pinstripes for a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. Those travel packs come in handy. Do yourself a favor and double up. Do one the night before in your first day, one in the morning. You know what that's like? That's like the old the old trick of when when you're out drinking, just like chug. What was it? Chug. It was like the yeah, last yeah, three I, drinks of the night. You like alternate between like waters and drinks. Then you wake up hydrated. I don't know. Well, it's actually if you do that throughout the throughout the night, you, you're golden. But yeah, if you prep, you get you drink uh drink some water before or an AG one packet and some ibuprofen. You're golden. I gotta be honest. Uh, that's never worked for me. I've always had mean oh, it works hangovers. For me. Yeah. Always with the mean hangovers. All right, a couple more items to before we wrap it up. The shift isn't dead, and Joey Gallo might cry because the Red Sox went with the two-man outfield. They moved the left fielder over to short right field. And so basically he had the overshift again, even though all the infielders were in their normal positions, the outfielders weren't. And so I don't remember this it's being... It's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. <laughs> I don't remember and this I, I, being... Against Joey Gallo, I, I am 1,000% here for that. So that's I where it. I was going to go with this. Do you think that certain players should still be allowed to get shifted against just because until, they, until they fix their, their swings and their thing, just you can still shift on them? Yeah. Joey Gallo being one of them, for sure. Uh, but there, it, there's not very many. But Joey Gallo... Joey Gallo deserves a shift every single time he's up. In fact, I wouldn't even play with a, with, you know, with a, a center fielder. Just throw two people over there. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All he's not of the do outfielders anything. over there. All um, of the outfielders. Put everybody on, on the right side when Joey Gallo is up. And he'll strike out. Do you remember this being talked about when the shift rule was implemented? Like, oh, all you do is move one of the outfielders over. Yeah, it. Yeah, I do remember. But it's, it's, it's a, lot more, a lot riskier moving your left fielder than it is your third baseman. The damage control a left fielder can do can the the um can do a lot more damage control than a third baseman can if a ball is hit down the line. You hit so a ball down got, the line, it's a triple. Yeah, they've got the center fielder playing just a shade towards left center. He's still playing in center field, so there's just nobody in left field. Right, that, that's nobody a, in left field. I, I wonder. You probably don't do this with runners on base, right? Why? I mean, because then then you're just like opening yourself up to, to disaster. Worst case scenario, Gallo hits a ball, a blue, a regular fly ball to left field. It's just a double, maybe a triple at worst. It, I mean, it, it depends on the scenario, I guess, but it doesn't really affect much for the runner besides the fact that he would score if right. said person was able to do that. But, here, but the thing, he, he ain't doing that. <laughs> That's the, 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 whole, the whole issue here is that Joey Gallo cannot hit the ball to the left side. He's not going to do that. He 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 showed us the bunt a few times, right? He did show us the bunt a few times. Yeah. But there's a third baseman. You can't do that. You can't do that bunt. He's actually got to make contact with a bat, go over the third baseman into left field. That takes hand-eye coordination. That takes a different swing, which he doesn't have. We all know that. He can't do it. So is there there's anyone, really not a ton of risk. Is there anyone on the Yankees we expect this to be shifted against like this? No, I don't think so. I was thinking about it. Uh, maybe Rizzo, but Rizzo has enough bat skills to hit a ball. He does. Field, I think, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. D- don't even put, don't don't put Rizzo in that bucket. Rizzo, Rizzo can hit still. Rizzo can can do those things. And uh, no, I don't think you're not going to see this with very many people. But it's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful, and that that needs to be identified and called out. And I hope Charlie Gallo takes this personally. He really should, because it's definitely personal. It's it's a it's a Joey. I'm Gallo surprised shift. he didn't quit baseball right then. I'm surprised he didn't quit baseball right then and there. Just like he thought, like this year, I don't have to deal with the shifts this year. Beautiful, I'm back, baby. He steps he steps onto the on deck circle and then he walks up to the plate. He sees the outfielder trotting over. He should have just turned around, and went right back in the dugout, and just gone home like uh, what's his face, uh, Jay Bruce. <laughs> he doesn't have the he doesn't he doesn't have the the wherewithal that Jay Bruce had. He doesn't have the. The ability to 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 make a judgment on his own abilities doesn't doesn't exist in there. Here's the thing with Joey Gallo. 
the, the shift really doesn't matter to him. Honestly, it's not it's not that big of a deal. It's a he's strikeout or a home run. Yeah, or or a walk. You know, but he didn't walk very much last year either. But it's going to be a strikeout or a home run. That's it. So, you know, he, he's not ta- he's not Mark Teixeira where where he's getting robbed of of these singles over over the second base head. You know that 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 really affected the way that he played. He's not that guy. He's the a different guy. It's, it's boomer bust. Mark Teixeira was a 300 hitter when he came when he signed with the Yankees. He hit yeah. well over 300 in the season prior when he was with the Braves and then with um, the Angels. But then in did he win a batting title? I don't think close. He, I don't not. think he won a batting title. Logan, what was his batting average in 2009 with the Yankees? I want to say it was very close to 300. It was in the 290s. I want to I want to say. And then the shifts just started, and his batting average plummeted to the low 200s. Uh, 292 in 2009. He had 358 with the Angels. Was that a batting title? Well, no, that was half no, a season. No, that was half a season. So that, that oh. season was actually um, 308. He had a bunch. Yeah, he had a 317. He had a 306. He was a 300 he a hitter when he came to the Yankees. Yeah. And, and then 2010, he went to 256. He was 253. Years before getting hit. so, I think a couple things happened when no he was title. when he was hitting left-handed at Yankee Stadium. He was just pull, pull, pull because of the short porch and the shifts happened, and those two things combined so that his when he was batting left-handed, his batting average plummeted. When he was batting right-handed, I think it was still more normal. But um, yeah, two ninety-two for all intents and purposes. With I think he hit like thirty-nine home runs that year in two thousand nine. I mean, that's a three hundred hitter with thirty-nine home runs. Yeah. No, it's 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 definitely and, and again, Joey Gallo is not that type of hitter. He's not that skilled of a hitter, um, so it's it's not going to affect him as much. But I do think it's disrespectful and hilarious. So I applaud. That was Joey Cora did that, right? That was the Red and, Sox and, and Alex Cora. And we're all Alex Cora, we're, Joey Cora. We're all for disrespectfulness, like that. That that's yeah. right up our alley, <laughs> for sure. No, yeah, especially when it comes to uh, to to Joey Gallo and his baseball skills. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The last thing I want to talk about is I saw a ranking published by bookies.com. I really don't know where I saw this, but I don't know how I stumbled upon this article. They ranked all of the MLB ballparks by best pregame fan experience. And they ranked things on mile, the qualifications, miles from the city center. So how accessible is the stadium? Tailgating. So here's the tailgating. The ability to park and enjoy a summer day with a beverage and a grill. Okay, so that is tailgating. Entertainment around the stadium, a vibrant bar, restaurant scene that is walking distance to your seat. And then family sentiment. Is there an area that's safe for your family and your kids to to have a good time at the ballpark? Okay, they ranked Mm -hmm. all 30 teams. The Pittsburgh Pirates, number one. San Diego uh, Padres, number two. Giants, three. um, I'm scanning down the list. Baltimore Orioles at number seven. Love Camden Yards. Camden Yards is a fantastic ballpark if you've ever been. Ooh, the Rockies are on there. 
Uh, still, still scrolling, still scrolling. I don't see the Yankees yet. Uh, we've got the Twins tied for 14th with the Phillies. The Phillies, come on, South South Philly. That's not a good area. Uh, still going. Chicago Cubs tied 20th. I love the pregame experience at Wrigley Field when I went. I love the pregame experience at Fenway Park as well. Those don't really have parking, so that's probably why they get knocked. Or uh, tailgating. Oh, Yankees, 28th. 28th out of out of out of 30. Miami Marlins last. Well, because nobody goes to the games. How can you tailgate if you're not at the game? Oakland Athletics 29th. So the Yankees. I wonder if, they, I wonder if the above. Marlins got I wonder if the Marlins got knocked for the people that tailgate but don't go to the game. <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees only ranked above the Oakland A's and the Miami Marlins for pregame Thanks. experience to see a baseball game. Well, I I've we have pre-gamed many a Yankees games, okay? The mm-hmm. bars around Yankee Stadium, I've got a love-hate relationship with them. Do I have fun when I'm there? Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's not because of the bar. <laughs> it's because of I'm going to see a baseball game with friends. That's why I'm having fun. I mean, I, you could say that about every single thing. That That's the thing. Like, the, the bars are fun. The bars are fun. So Those I bars would, I would put, suck. No, okay? So, but, like you, if you can actually, they're here's crowded, the problem with the bars. They smell. They're freaking lines to get in. The music at Billy's is one billion decibels. If you're standing outside, then your eardrums don't burst. So that's nice. Yeah. Okay. So there are a number of things. If you can actually get into stands, which is you know, it's the hardest you can't thing get to into do. Stands. No, it's impossible. You're, you're to get drinking a beer on the sidewalk. Place. Yeah, it's tough. The experience inside that inside stands is a lot of fun and and just a good time. The other places, good time. Yes, they get packed. They're 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 extremely full, and that's because there is no other place to. There's not very much tailgating. Like people do tailgate in some of those lots a little bit, but not really. You can't really. We used to like back in the day when I was a kid. We used to go up into uh, uh, my cousin whenever we would do the Sunday ticket thing, and we we would we would uh, we would illegally tailgate outside his uh, his car in in one of the parking decks. Um, but it's not it's not a you know, a community tailgate thing. Whereas that's football. It's also not baseball. Like I don't associate yeah, tailgating don't with baseball either. So there's, there's a number of things. Getting to the stadium is a challenge, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Parking is a challenge. If okay, you don't know what so you're doing, so. I disagree with that one. I think it's very easy to get to Yankee stadium from Manhattan. It, it depends. It is. If you just get on a train for sure. Yeah, I mean, just get on the subway. I, you're there in 20 minutes. That's easy. for sure. No problem. You but, don't have to deal so, with parking. Yes. For locals. No problem. People coming in they're they they don't know that usually and they try to park and it's a and it's a clusterfuck um but it's it's our pregame experience it's number one one of one i love it it's fine it's it's great i have a fantastic time every time the dugout smells like shit i love it (laughs) it smells like shit and taco bell (laughs) Uh, the reason i said i have a love-hate relationship with it is because yeah just on the face of it those bars not the greatest but i have a great time every time i'm there yeah no doubt there's there's a those rankings don't mean jack shit. No, it's you know everybody coming into a different fan experience. You'll you'll have a different uh, a different. The mindset, fact that but. Tampa Bay Rays ranked twenty fourth is is insulting. Okay, because yeah. you've been to a game at the Trop. Right? We had an event there, and we did have a good time at the bar that we we we, we set up an event. But, but we were hanging out with Yan- Yankees fans. It, it's like forty five minutes from Tampa driving, isn't it? It's St. Pete. It's not Tampa. Yeah, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not in Tampa. I mean, that's a whole other argument altogether. It just because it's not the the what it says it is. It's like you know the the Giants and the Jets don't play in New York either. But this is saying they're ranking on miles from city center. Yeah. Uh, well, that's why they're twenty fourth. <laughs> they're, they're they're not very good. What is city center of New York? Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a you know I don't know I don't know what that means necessarily. And why is that? A, why does that need to be? Why is that? A, why do you get knocked if you're not in the center of the city? I don't get that either. Because it takes a it while no to get sense. there. What's Maybe? the Mets? The Mets ranked only one above the Yankees at no, okay. 27. All right, yeah, I like these people hate New York. <laughs> <laughs> okay, these people hate New York. The Mets. So the Mets pregame experience is, in my mind, way worse than the Yankees because the subway takes. If you're if it you're takes in fucking Queens, forever. no. But if you're in Manhattan, it takes freaking forever to get to Sh- to City Field. City Field yeah. is very nice once you're inside. I drove to a game last year, just as miserable as driving to Yankee Stadium, if not pretty, more miserable. Pretty sure I remember so. that you left early in that game. 
Uh, yeah, I left early because it was a freaking Wednesday night and I had to drive back to Jersey. Are you freaking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not city center. Not not close to city center. Not close to <laughs> not Jersey. Not close to city center. You right, know, one thing, gonna uh, I, we're going to wrap yeah, it up yeah. now, but something I, I want to uh, touch on maybe next episode or the the one after that. And I've talked about this a little bit, but I've been uh, looking up some some statistics on the stolen bases. I think we're going to have a banner year with stolen bases this year. And when I went back and looked at where amongst the league, the season leaders are uh, over time, it's pretty wild when you look back and you see how few stolen bases have been happening since like Scott Pesednik or, you know, the, the 2000 name, early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, the, the last, the last guy on here. Ellsbury, 50 stolen bases. Six, 62 home runs. Jonathan Villar, 2016. D. Gordon, 2014 at 64. Those are the last two guys you see on this list that that there's probably 100 people uh, above him that go back to 1880, a lot of 1800s, which, you know, I don't count, but 138 stolen bases. Ricky Henderson, 130 in 1982. We just have not seen the stolen base at all in in modern day baseball and many people logan's never seen the stolen base in his life so i i think that we're going to start to see the stolen base come back i think we're seeing it a lot in spring training we're we're seeing guys take suicide leads at first base and second base for that matter and i really think that there's going to be adjustment period and at least for the first two months of the season we are going to see guys running like crazy on the base paths. When you when you have the perfect mix of the bigger bag with the shorter distance and the fact that a guy can't throw over, you know, uh, unlimited amount of times, you're going to see these guys, uh, and you're going to see more people on base because batting uh, on base percentage is going to go up because of the shift. There's just a, like a perfect mix here to to um, to really give us the the stolen base, and I'm very excited about that because I think the stolen base is one of the more exciting plays in baseball. There will be more stolen bases, but it still is not going to be crazy because teams still don't want to give up outs on the base paths. That's still the that's the thing. The percentages are going to when once the data starts coming in more and more and more, they're going to realize that they're not giving outs on on the base paths. But that's, we're, we're that's never where my getting, head is going. But you're not saying we're going to get a hundred stolen base season from someone. No, but I wouldn't be surprised if we were if we were flirting in the, like the seventy fives. What? I would be I'd be yeah. pretty surprised on that. Just for, I I don't think you, team's gonna let someone run that often. You also don't have the those, those players. The as nerds. Much, you don't have the player like the leadoff hitter of just get on base and he's a speedy guy and he's only there to steal bases. Like that player does not exist in baseball anymore. Or does he? They just haven't been used yet. And now, and now that they're they're able to get on base a little bit more easily because of the the non shifting, and you can take that 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 bag a, a lot more easily. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if we saw more of these speedsters playing in that number one leadoff spot, and and it get a little bit more, um, you know, old school in the way that you you set a lineup. It would not surprise me, and I, and I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see some guys take advantage of it. I really do. I, re- I hope so. A record we don't talk about being unbreakable a lot is Ricky Henderson's stolen base record. Like no one's ever touching that career or single season stolen base. He doesn't actually have the single. I was surprised by this. He doesn't have Hugh the single Nickel. season. Hugh Nickel uh, at age twenty nine and eighteen ninety seven. Yeah, fuck no, eighteen eighty seven. Yeah, that does had that's not uh, stole one hundred and thirty eight cloth bags. <laughs> it's a fake record. <laughs> The distance, but yeah, it's, the it's, distance between bases you, was only 25 feet back then. If you're looking at like quote modern day, uh, it's Ricky Henderson it's at Ricky 130, Henderson. Lou Brock at 118 in 1974. Uh, okay. Did you know that this one threw me off? Billy Hamilton, but not that Billy Hamilton. No. Billy, there was another Billy Hamilton in 1889 <laughs> who was a stolen base machine. I looked at these numbers. I was like, does that mean? Do they mean 19? Did someone? Did Baseball Reference screw this up? Did I? Did I? Did, do I have them? No, separate Billy Hamilton guy uh, stole a shit ton of bases, like a lot of bases. Like this guy was the fastest man on the planet. Uh, and and then you got Vince Coleman, who 1985, 1987, who was over 100. But the last guy to go over 100 was Ricky Henderson. It was at 100 at night. And uh, uh, yeah, he, he was the last guy to go over 100. What year? Pretty crazy. Early 80s. Late 80s, he did it in, I'm sorry, the last guy to go was, was Vince Coleman in 1986 okay. to go over 100. So you're calling a 75 stolen base season from someone this year? 
Yeah, I gotta do. Uh, I gotta do some scouting on on who that's gonna be. Okay, maybe. But that's yeah, in your fifty to seventy five wouldn't surprise me. Maybe it's next year where we see an even bigger 50 leap. Fifty is pretty different than seventy five, Scott. That's no, I do that's understand fifty percent difference. But also, you haven't seen even fifty come up very very often. Like two thousand sixteen, in the last six seven years, you haven't seen anybody touch it. Forty forty is forty forty is what we talk about. Yeah. All right, that's gonna wrap up today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Later this week. I'm 99% sure we're releasing the Brian Cashman episode. It's been taking a while. We're putting the final touches on it. It's really, really good. It's just not done yet. Stay tuned for that. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.